Welcome to the iBuyer Experiment. We have hey, got hey. a lineup today. <laughs> a lot is happening. It is. <laughs> it's happening right now. We're here without Elliot today, so there might be a little less commentary. Yeah, we can actually talk. It's not the Elliot show anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not the it's not the quadro today. It's the trio. The trio. Well, <clears throat> there have been some, you know, everybody is kind of worried, I think. You're seeing a lot of articles about the housing market. Is it going to crash? And then this is interesting. So there's recent analysis released by the Real Estate Initiative at the Florida Atlantic University regarding the top overvalued housing markets. And we're in Phoenix. Any idea on where Phoenix sits in that list of overvalued housing markets? Well, you I, already told me, so. I, I didn't, let that. me guess. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even hear this. So I would say top three. Okay, all right, you're close. Uh, <clears throat> we're not in the top three. So okay. the number one overvalued housing market was Boise, Idaho. And they're saying that it's been overvalued by 75% at this point. And number two is Austin, Texas at 66%. Number three is Ogden, Utah at 63%. Austin's surprising to me. Oh, okay. I don't think so. Because that's where all the money's going. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, so, so you're surprised by that. So I'm surprised that like, hey, <laughs> the, the money's going there, then, and that means the industry's going there. Industry is going there. So that means, why is it overpriced? Because it's the new Silicon Valley before too long. Well, that's what they're saying, but wouldn't but you expect... But the prices aren't Silicon Valley yet. Right. <laughs> no, but it's... it's uh, and you would expect higher wages. So this whole report is kind of based on the economic fundamentals of the market. Okay, so, so it's based on <coughs> economic fundamentals. Right, which a large portion of that is income. Yeah. Like how much do people make? Can they afford to live in these markets? Then Elon went to Austin, right? Yes, and Joe Rogan. Yep, and so like it, it, so some of the and most... And Tom Ferry. Three... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And but if you think about it, Joe Rogan, one of the most influential podcasters on the planet, and then you have, love him or hate him, Alex Jones is one of the most influential conspiracy theorists in the world is out there and then you have elon musk one of the most unique and controversial characters in the world and so they're gonna blow that shit up yeah well according to the florida <clears throat> atlantic university researchers it is overvalued <laughs> yeah that's what happens when when you when you have all those people go out there all right yeah. so awesome was number two ogden utah was number three at where 60, is ogden 63 percent is that near salt lake i have Where's never ogden? i've never been to utah that's really sad have you? Yes, for uh, cross country when I was very young. Did you appreciate its beauty then, or were you like, no, I was just smooth rocks? <laughs> I, you don't appreciate shit when you're a kid. Um, <laughs> so I, I, truth. I, yeah, I mean, it was cool. We went. To, I went to a very cool amusement park that I didn't have in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So I appreciated that. <laughs> All right. Okay, number four was Las Vegas. Vegas. Okay. So Sin City is <laughs> overvalued by sixty percent. Number five was Atlanta at 60%, and Phoenix was number six. Ah, six, okay. And we're overvalued by 59%. I'm surprised with, I, I would think Phoenix would be more overvalued than Austin, just because all the tech companies that are moving to Austin. So I would imagine that the economic factors are a lot higher in Austin. But we don't know what <laughs> wages are higher. What, I, I'm not quite sure off the top of my head what like their average price is, though. Yeah, and I guess how are they, how are they, coming up with these because i mean with with people being able to remote work mm -hmm. um i mean they can live anywhere really yeah 100%. especially all these tech companies that are allowing people to like facebook's allowing people to work anywhere they want now they don't have to work in silicon valley they can work in phoenix and they're making their <coughs> their two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year and 
Yeah, I guess Airbnb came out and said like anybody can work remotely and like their their um, HR department was flooded with applications. Sweet. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, overvalued. I don't know, guys, what do you think? Buy or sell? Are we overvalued? Are you buying it? Or are you selling it? Well, <clears throat> it's obviously a, a great time to sell. This, the problem is, is can you make the both ends meet and make sense? Well, I think we're going to have a problem with people not wanting to sell because they're in a, <clears throat> you know, a 2.5% interest rate right. and, yep. and they got to go, you know, they're oh, okay, I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to sell a $400,000 house to move up to a 550. But really it's kind of like you're selling a 400,000 house and you're going to move up to a payment of 650. So it's like, eh, is it really that much better to move? I mean, it, I mean, you're going to have people that have to move, but I mean, I think some people, well, we have a couple clients that are thinking, oh, should we sell or should we just rent? Cause why would we get rid of this this high or this low interest rate? You know what's funny that you bring that up. Remember yesterday when I brought up, we have that possible seller that's interested in taking a three point eight million dollar offer. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So when I went and looked in the tax records, it doesn't always show it mm -hmm. um, through RPR, but it did in this particular circumstance. You know, they have a three point two five percent interest rate. So I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, that. I was like, you know, if you sell, <laughs> you, oh, they have rough. a ton of equity, but it was like, woo. That so they're, that, that's gone. So let's, I uh, would imagine those rents aren't very high though. I mean, they're, they're probably not as high as the, as um, the end or the, um, the payment. I don't know. I mean, that'd be, that'd be crazy high rent in that neighborhood. It I'm, would be, it would I'm be. curious because for Boise, I didn't know that. I want to contact, we have a buy and hold investor that purchases out in Boise and I just want to get their I want to figure out, is that a challenge for them? Like, are they even buying out there if it's that inflated, quote unquote, right, that right. much increase? I mean, I'm, so I'd just be curious to see if like one of their key markets that they're buying in, uh, you know, are they even acquiring properties there versus some of their other markets? That would be interesting to find out. Well, I think I know, well, I don't <coughs> think, I know that the Phoenix housing market does have more inventory. I think we're about 80-something <coughs> percent increase year over year in inventory. So we do have more homes on the market. There are more coming soons on the market. So we're seeing kind of that influx of more inventory. I mean, you could argue that this is kind of our sales <coughs> season anyway, right? So having more inventory on the market maybe isn't abnormal or one could argue that it's the signs of, of a shift but just like you said who's going to want to sell out of their two and a half percent interest rate uh, and then go be competitive in this market so definitely interesting times but i think the takeaway is is there's a lot of opportunity the shift is always a gift so we want to talk to you a little bit about how you can capitalize on these changing times well, yeah, I, that's, uh, I think we, we hammer that every now and then on, you know, some of these podcasts, but with the market changing, you know, there's always so much talk in the industry, right? Nobody, some people can predict things better than other people just, you know, depends on your knowledge and research, of course, and trends. However, one thing that'll never change in our industry, especially, you know, from, for starting from at minimum, at least the last five years is leading with the cash offer <clears throat> you know regardless of you having that a part of your business model or not there's just year over year over year you just cannot ignore that anymore it has to be a must love it or hate it there's so much money being poured in our industry with all these unique value propositions these alternative home selling solutions and these cash offer companies they have for lack of a better term, brainwash the consumer. Hey, why don't you start with some of these other options before you go the traditional route? There's always going to be traditional listings, 
but make yourself stand out. You have to lead with a different value proposition and be like, I can list, I can list, I can list. Yeah, we know you can. So can the other possible one to 10 agents that the homeowner's talking with. So why are they going to list with you? Why? Because you have a better photo package or you can get them a home warranty up front. Yeah, that's cool. No, they have a 3D tour. Oh, <laughs> damn. Hot, hot. Hey. Player, player. I love that 3D tour, all right? First brokerage in Arizona to implement it in our market was it, it, us. It, and all those, th those to me shouldn't, those aren't even unique anymore. If that's a standard, if you're not doing that, then yeah, you're probably getting your tail kicked. So that being said, lead with the value proposition. I don't care if it's with a company like Zudelio, but yeah, do Zudelio because then your life is going to be a hell of a lot easier. I can guarantee you that with 100% certainty because we live and breathe it every single day, every single week. But even if you don't use, you know, a, a service and a company like Zudelio, Partner with Open Door, partner with Open Pad, partner with Knock, whoever out there, and lead with a different value proposition. You have to make yourself stand out, and you'll have better real estate conversations. I like to say you bid your pipeline, and the people who don't want to sell now, give them a reason to want to use you in the future and stay in communications with these people. And if you take that different approach, take that different mindset, if you're not already doing that, then I guarantee you within at least 60 days, 90 days, over and over and over, taking that unique approach, you'll see your business change and skyrocket because we as a company are living, breathing proof. I'm living, breathing proof. Yeah, we're seeing it, right? We're right? seeing a lot of yeah. different people using this, this and, their, and their business is blowing up and they're, they're having success and they're like, wow, this is, this is bad. Not used to this now here we go yep. yeah it just gives people i think it gives agents a way to connect with a, a wider variety of individuals too because they're now able to prospect in all of these new and different ways that maybe they hadn't before and so i think uh, the value proposition just extends itself into many many more funnels of leads that you can be working and really growing and adding to your database so that's the, I think that's the thing that I look at. I look at that omnipresence that real estate agents need to have in the marketplace. And I think in these changing times now more than ever, you really have to be putting yourself out there. You have to be willing to research the data. You have to be willing to you know analyze the data on camera and share with people what is going on in the housing market because times are changing. And when times are changing, they're looking to us as the experts for guidance. So you really need to be out there and giving people guidance at scale, I believe. Use video, use things, use methods that scale it just makes sense and really position yourself as that leader in the market and then you can have all of your unique value propositions to give people right alongside that knowledge and information because you will get them in just by giving them value and goodwill and then you'll be able to segue into that relationship by offering them the solutions that they're looking for since elliot's not here i'll do an elliot quote okay okay let's hear it <laughs> all right so be proactive with the cash offer. Lead with the cash <laughs> offer. Don't react to the cash offer, okay? Put the bullet in the chamber and pull the trigger. No, it's take, take some action. It's put the gas in the Ferrari and take it out of the garage. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's a good one too. Either no, one works. No, that's Elliot's. Uh, <laughs> well, we I must really miss him. He, we we uh, miss you, Elliot. He, he likes to put the bullet in the chamber and pull the trigger oh, too. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> His little. His little sayings uh, that he says all the time, for sure. But no, it's it's absolutely true, though. You know, you really have to be proactive. You can't just react to these value propositions, or you'll get railroaded. And I think that's kind of the that's that's the play. The play is to railroad the real estate agent. And 
I look at kind of what's happening with this new lawsuit, well, it's not a new lawsuit, but the new class action status of the lawsuit um, about our commission and how that could change and how potentially we could be looking at, you know, instead of 1.6 million realtors, we could be looking at, you know, 700,000 realtors, 800,000 realtors in a year, two years. There could be a high washout rate if that goes through. So in that circumstance, you know, the the remaining individuals are going to be the individuals that are at the top of the game. Yeah. What happens when they, if they, or if, I mean, not when, but if they just said, Hey, it's illegal to, to, to pay a, pay an agent or buyer's agent. Right. What happens? Buyer's agent has to do their own stuff. What happens that? I mean, that's, that's definitely going to drop a lot of different agents. Well, I mean, not if you're partnered with Sudilio, we don't charge (laughs) commissions. We charge service fees. That's right. Well, well, that's true. But, that, but, that's, but that's the seller. Right? I know. So, but yeah. having an offering through the MLS structure, if that's yeah. eradicated, and you know, I don't think it's going to be anything that they're going to come up. You know, I've been <clears throat> I've been actually researching this a lot, and and what sort of the industry experts are saying is it's not going to be like a hey, you can no longer offer compensation as of October first, right? It's not going to be like that. There will probably be a rollout period to this, just because the size and the magnitude of our or realtor association, it's it's 1.6 million, so it's massive. Um, but even still, like, will that be enough time for people to really change their compensation models? And I think what will be a massive side effect of this is washout. We've been saying that we've been looking for a way to raise the bar in the real estate industry for a very long time. Maybe this is a way to raise the bar. So how can buyers agents, people that are agents that work with um, mostly buyers, how can they adapt to this? What should they be doing right now? I, I think that they need to be defining their value and learning how to, you know, articulate their value. And I think that they should be getting employment agreements now, right? So even if there is an MLS compensation, you know, you need to be explaining your value to the buyer's agent and explaining to them that there's not always a compensation. And if there's not, here's what I'm worth and here's what I charge. And do you agree to pay that? Yeah. Well, and also, I think also is they, they should be, working on being a selling agent being a listing agent right it's like having more conversations with people about selling their home rather than you know hey look at this house you know i'm doing an open house over here come check it out you're you know more of like hey let me get you a cash offer on your house have you heard about the selling stay Um, did you know you can trade in your home now that's what those those sort of um conversations yeah, for sure. But I, <clears throat> in regards to just the buyer's agent specifically, I think where we've gotten spoiled in our industry, <clears throat> I'm guilty of it myself, is at the end of the day, I don't think that probably in general, the masses you know, of people in the real estate industry truly explain why it's important to have a buyer representative on your side as a buyer. I mean, why, why would anyone want to do that? What's your value proposition? Well, it's actually super important. Imagine if every buyer tried to purchase a house on their own. I bet you a crazy amount of deals would fall apart and it would Mm -hmm. be over something stupid. Right. And so, because people get emotional and Mm -hmm. you need an agent to take the emotion out of the deal. And it's almost like you have your, you know, they're your therapist, right? Hey, you know, I understand it's upsetting. Let's get through this. Here's what it looks like. And then you need something to negotiate on your behalf. It's actually super important to keep the deal together and for the buyer not to get railroaded, right? You know, what if, what if they could get, you know, especially during the inspection period, I mean, we could go down a big rabbit hole. I'm just, you know, naming some high level stuff. And so I think if agents start explaining, if we ever got to that point, why it's imperative important to have that representation, 
the, I think the consumer would, would appreciate it more. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> so yeah, being able to clearly articulate your value proposition and, and charge for your services, you're worth it and not just rely on that MLS offering. So definitely a lot changing in the industry and it's exciting because I know that there's massive opportunity in these changing times. If you are just willing to step out and do the work and be consistent and, you know, just chase after the opportunity. So we haven't done a prediction in a while since we're about halfway through the year. <laughs> okay. Are we you, already halfway through the year? Almost. Almost. Wow. We got about a month, wow. 30 days, 20 days. May 10th, right? So uh, by the end of 2022, I was about to say 2021, uh, where do you think, what do you think your industry is going to be at? Mm. About the same? No. Are we going to go back down the inventory? We're going to keep going up. Are we, we going to see some type of drop in pricing? Interest rates going to be high? Like, what do you what do you guys think? Hmm. Who wants to go first on this one? I don't um, want to show my cards. <clears throat> I'm guessing in the next, we'll see here by September, we're going to be about six and a half percent interest rate, and I think then the the Fed will start to maybe maybe lower interest rate and interest rates again around October, November, December. <clears throat> okay, so I'm just going to echo that on rates. I kind of see the same thing happening. I think they're going to increase a little bit, but then I do think that we'll have a little bit of pullback. I think that the biggest thing is inventory, and I don't think we're going to have a massive amount of inventory on the market. I just think that, like Jason mentioned earlier, people aren't going to sell out of their 3%, 2.5% interest rates um, in droves just to cash out because where are they going to go and rents are astronomically high as well. So I think that inventory will remain tight, which I guess the question mark is what does that do to values? And I think we're going to see a little bit of a stabilization, uh, not really, you know, any spikes either direction. Cool. Yeah. I, um, I'm not even going to talk about the rates <clears throat> since you guys just, just did. But for me, I think we'll see an uptick because we've already seen it in inventory sellers are going to have a rude awakening that maybe they're not going to sell the first three days on the market or, or their first <laughs> or second weekend. Yeah. And about after 30 days, they're going to go like, this crap sucks and either take their house off the market or do some type of cash offer or alternative selling solution. And as we all, we learn very quick <clears throat> as a society now, as a whole, word spreads faster than ever. So as soon as people go, what? it's going to potentially take 30 days to get an offer. I don't want to deal with that. I think the cash offer and that value proposition is going to skyrocket even more than what we're seeing right now. Agree. I agree. Well, thank you so much for <coughs> listening and we're just so thankful for you. We're thankful for our Zudelio members and check us out. Zudelio.com. If you're not already a member of Zudelio, you want to be, it's where it's at. We appreciate you guys.